Park. It's an 87th Precinct podcast bonus episode. This is the bonus episode to go with our look at book number 49 in the series, which was The Big Bad City, a tale of nuns and cookies and revenge and some dreadful uh, music industry related storytelling. Uh, yeah. <laughs> But we've got to do our usual thing of having a look at the various covers. And I'll be honest with you, everyone. It's not like there's going to be much variety in what we've got to look at here. Let me just check my little thing here. Uh, see right, okay, yeah. So I don't even need to share the different things because we've all got slightly different editions in our hands. Um, so, Steve-O, who's your publisher and your edition from? It is uh, the UK... Hodder and Stoughton, is that right? New English Library. So you've got the New English Library edition, yeah. Uh, which is the paperback UK. Yeah. Priced at five ninety-nine. Now, Morgan, what's your edition? Uh, mine is the UK Hodder, Hodder and Stoughton big paperback. Big paper. Well, I don't think we've I had think a big paperback. That's the before, technical term, I believe. Um th- th- this is the one that's priced nine ninety-nine. So yours is a paperback, but it's officially Hodder and Stoughton uh, rather yes. than New English Library. Indeed, yeah. Or Steve-O's is the New English Library from Hodder and Stoughton. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And I have a hardback copy of it, which is a first American edition hardback, uh, Simon and Schuster. In fact, I think my brother bought me this as a present. And, well, we'll describe the cover in a second. Save to say that all of these, despite some sort of tonal changes and a little bit of shifting on the text, mm. are exactly the same aren't they really it it, it says what it is which obviously a fictional bridge can't point bridge by mark mark sink cool a great name yes a jacket photograph of calms point bridge by mark sink slash graphistock yeah which mine doesn't say photograph but yeah so the cover design is basically a picture of the brooklyn bridge yeah and it's just Nicely tied into the the 87th Precinct by having the words Calms Point Bridge on there as a little sort of in-joke for the reader as well. Is that the same um, portrait? Well, on the back of the two paperback editions here, we have a small picture of Mr. McBain, Mr. Hunter, and I have a huge picture of him. (laughs) Yeah, it's the same. uh... Yeah, so it's a a photo taken by Drajishka of a... Graying, well, how old was he at this point? Ninety-nine, seventy-three-year-old uh, man. Yeah, he's, uh, he looks quite wistful there, doesn't he? He does. You know, he, not that he's ever beaming his head off in any of the photographs, <laughs> but yeah. So the, the fact is that there's no particular variety across the different editions in the UK and the American editions, at least anyway, other than uh, changing font on the covers to make it stand out and slightly, yeah. The, the, the wraparound sleeve on my first American edition is, is a sort of golden shiny version, sort of embossed rather than a more yellow gold that's on the paperbacks. Hmm. Those is a bit bronzier. Bronze, yes, there you go. Bronze. That's, that's, the, that's the word. Well, it's better than some of the covers we've had in recent years, that's for sure. It is, but... If, if not particularly exciting. Yeah, but, yeah, by the same token, again, like we say about the title not being particularly relevant, mm. it's like, well, this does feel like... Generic title, yeah. generic picture. It's, it's kind of like one they've had in reserve for an Ed McBain book that they've just pulled off the shelf. Yeah. I don't well, I think the clue says, you know, it says uh, photograph of Calms Point Bridge by Mark Sink slash graphic stock, which suggests that they've bought it from a 
you know, a, a catalogue yeah. of photos of New York, you know, type thing. Yeah. Which is a shame. Oh, well. Uh, do you want to give it a huff, Steve-O? Go on. Yeah, go, go on, give, then, us a, yeah. give us a smell of yours. Very odourless, this. No. Mmm, more... Smells of by their very nature airport lounges. <laughs> oh, very specific. <laughs> by their very nature, these are newer books. Every time they I well, open yeah. them, aren't they? What about yours, Morgan? Mm-hmm. Yours is so big, musky. Yeah, this is a little bit of a little airport. bit of a just bit of an airport in there. Do you think? And maybe a hint of airport. Yeah, a hint of airport. <laughs> just a smidge of airport. Yeah, you know, or you know. Bus terminal, maybe. <laughs> Bus terminal. Uh, oh, I'll check mine out. Taxi, taxi rank. No. Oh, mine's quite musty, actually. Ooh. Oh, hard. Well, that's, uh, yeah, that's a classic book smell. That. I, I don't want to pin it down to a location because the location might well be um, old people's home, unfortunately. <laughs> I'm, um, I'm com- currently reading a book that uh, I acquired from the cricket club, and um, I won't be able to huff that because... Even just reading it at this distance feels like I'm smoking about 40 a day. Oh, oh blimey, yes. Yes, I, <laughs> mm, what a sensory experience. <laughs> However, even if the uh, English language versions aren't particularly inspiring, there were a couple of more interesting ones. So I will hand, I will show first the Il Giallo Mondadori Italian edition. Tremendous. Around. That's, See, that's want, more it? like it. That's 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 what I signed up for. Yeah. So, do you want to describe that, Morgan? You know. So, what's a literal translation of that title? Uh, the, the, the big violent city, I guess. Mm. Grande. Yeah, I'm not going to. I'm not going to. Grande. City of violenta. Yes. It sounds. Yeah. The big. Um, yeah. So we've got. Um, uh, a park bench in a, a foggy park. It looks, it looks like a ripe pea super. Um, and we've got a, a young lady, presumably our nun uh, uh, that we yeah. discussed, um, lying, looking somewhat worse for wear, uh, i.e. dead, uh, by the... i.e. <laughs> <laughs> dead. dead by, by said bench. Yeah, it's, 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 it's all in a very, very kind of classic pulp kind of uh, art style. And it's yeah, it's a lot more interesting, isn't it? Yeah, I like those uh, Jello. Um, yeah, they're those great. Jello designs—they really do uh, stick to that classic, that classic look. Uh, and there's a couple of Japanese editions. So the Japanese hardback edition—I'm just showing that around here. Ooh. Is, oh, okay. Is, is, uh, it does have the big bad city written on it in English as well as the uh, Japanese writing, but it is just a uh, stained glass window. So the religious like aspect a, is there. More like a CAD file. It does, it does look like <laughs> it could be a novel. CAD film. Or like that, a copy of that terrible Inspector Morse I watched last night, which was all set in the church. Yeah, it's a poor one, that, isn't yeah. it? But the, uh, the Hayakawa pocket mystery book, the paperback Japanese edition, I'm going to pass to Steve. Well, I'll show it around first. Oh, cool. We like these ones. That's the oh, that's Describe This one. Japanese one, this paperback. It looks like a sock, a blue sock. With stripes on it, yellow, red, green, black, black, yellow, 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 on like a turquoise kind of carpet, and it says 87 on it. Or it could be almost like a chain of islands on a map. Archipelago. Yeah. I'm trying to work out what the literal... Florida? Yeah, so it, yeah, yeah. Islands... Everglades, maybe mountains up there. I don't know. 
It's always quite thing. difficult to get the, the literalness of it, but yeah. it kind of doesn't really matter. They're, they're only very loosely representational, aren't they? Yeah. Guess, yeah. So, no, it's very visually uh, impressive. I like that. Yeah, I think they should republish the big bad sock. With, <laughs> big bad sock. Yeah. Well, I'll share. I'll share that, and people can put their own yeah. interpretation on it. But I, th- I have a feeling it might be to do with the reference to Florida. Uh, and, yeah, it could well be right. But I like it. It's good. Yeah. I like those Japanese ones. They're the ones that have been winning for me so far. Yeah, in well, recent I definitely, years. Yeah, definitely right. Right then, let's get into some 1999 <laughs> chat. So this book came out on the 14th of January 1999, and so that is where I've looked at the top 10 charts, music-wise. Crikey. Um, but I'll give you uh, two bits of music, sort of, I was going to say news, it's not news, it's if happened in 1999. Music history, in fact, that's what I'm looking for. 10th of February, what happens with Iron Maiden in 1999? Oh, Bruce Dickinson rejoins. Yeah, and Adrian Smith and as Adrian well. Adrian Smith, yeah. yeah. So Excellent Iron Maiden news. become the super power force that they've sort of three, been in. Gu- three league guitarists yeah. at that point, Tom. Yeah. They don't want to change their lineup since then, so quite a long time mm-hmm. now. Yeah, absolutely. New album out as well, isn't there? It's all coming out soon, I think. Yes. Well, I hear they've been working on one, yeah. And in July of 1999, Woodstock 99 takes place. Oh, oh dear. Baby, that was great. Mm, yes, I think it was beset with problems. Is I, I didn't even know that happened, so that's how legendary it has been. Who performed? Some of the old... No, I think well, I think there was like a handful of people. I think like John Entwistle did a solo thing, <laughs> and he was like one of very few representatives who had been at the original Woodstock. Yeah, I mean, Woodstock 94 was, was bad enough, I think, wasn't it? Because I'm sure they did 94 and then they did 99 as well. Yeah. A 20... Um, but they, it was done as a sort of commercial enterprise yeah. and you know that was the point behind it rather than it being sort of a, a celebratory guess, or, you know they could have found all sorts of ways of doing it just just lots of extremely drunk and drugged frat boys causing havoc wasn't it mainly I, I think so yeah it, it was lots of reports of sexual assaults and the like which yeah, is people you know, setting things on fire and yeah yes not much in the way of peace and love no, indeed. But, yeah, so there was just two music news uh, history things <laughs> from mm-hmm. the period. But, uh, yeah, let's have a look at the UK charts. So, as usual, speak up if you've heard of any of these. <laughs> and I will go from 10 till 1 in the UK, 14th of January, 1999. Is this singles chart? Singles chart. Oh, would you want to have a quick guess of what you might come across in these, these Singles, 1999. We're, um, I don't know, we're Westlife kind of. Around is it slightly too early for them? Maybe Robbie Williams, probably. Um, no. Millennium Prayer was that still hanging around? Was that nineteen ninety nine? That would have been two thousand. Yeah, yeah, along with the uh, Millennium by Will Smith. <laughs> um, I don't know. Take that. Would they have been in their kind the, of they, they, sabbatical they would years? Have been their sabbatical, yeah, absolutely. So you would. Blue bands like Blue. Blue had quite turned up yet. I'm not sure. Well, let's go through these charts and then we'll address some of these issues. Most of our time drunk during 1999. Yeah, I think we uh, we'd have mainly listened to music on jukeboxes that we were just constantly putting money into in pubs. Right, number ten in the UK was "Up to the Wild Style" by Porn Kings versus DJ Supreme. (laughs) (laughs) That was was the next one I was going to mention. Not a clue. Nope. Uh, number nine was End of the Line by Honeys. 
Oh, I right. remember them existed. I can't remember what. Yeah, you, you, still groups, I yeah, think. Yeah, yeah. You, yeah, Went through a lot of members, I, I think you recall. Yeah, very frequent in charity shop yeah. uh, CDs. Yeah. Like yeah. Top Loader. And... <laughs> Number eight was Rescue Me by Ultra. No. No, I can't remember. Number seven, now everyone will remember this, is Believe by Cher. Oh, right. Oh, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which was a huge hit. Yeah, yeah. Was, yeah. Bringing also tune to the masses. Good old Cher. Uh, number six was When You're Gone by Brian Adams featuring Melanie C. Oh, oh right, yeah. yeah, yeah. Up and down some stairs in the video, weren't they? Oh, in and out of rooms. Remember that? <laughs> Scampering around. Which was just below number five, which was Goodbye by the Spice Girls. Oh, right, yeah. yeah. That was them bowing out for a little while anyway, wasn't it then, I think, that one? For the next... 20 years. Well, was that them saying goodbye to Jerry Halliwell and then trying oh, to carry on with another yes, album afterwards? That which might be actually. Do a tremendous amount. No. Possibly, I don't know. They definitely did an album, one album as a, as a four piece, I think. Yeah. Um, but that was below number four, which was <sighs> Chocolate Salty Balls, P.S. I Love You by <laughs> Chef from South Park. Possibly not Isaac Hayes's finest musical moment I'm going to say no but a big hit for him a big hit <laughs> for him definitely yeah. even if it wasn't him it was Chef yeah I did discuss this a little bit with uh, my guest Gareth on the Head Ballet podcast when we were talking about Simpsons and other cartoon mm. singles so you can always look that up and mm-hmm. find out a little bit more about it uh, number three was You Should Be by Blockster <laughs> Blockster doesn't ring Not a bell. A clue. That sounds like a nickname. For I think a it's got a Ministry of Sound logo uh, on the corner. Yeah. So. Number two was Heartbeat and Tragedy by Steps. Oh, classic. Steps, aren't they? Like reforming and oh, going they, back on tour. Yeah, they've had new records out and things, yeah. I have no idea whether Steps translated to anywhere except the UK, so anyone listening to this in America or Australia or anywhere is probably thinking, who the hell is Steps? Generally did Bee Gees covers. <laughs> Yeah, there were a lot. Of... Sure, they did more than one, didn't they? I, th- I think so. Yeah, feels like they did. They probably didn't actually. But <laughs> number one, what uh, the new entry at number one this week was "Praise You" by Fatboy Slim. Oh yeah, oh, right, which yeah. was around for a long time. It was, yeah. and you know what? It's probably a worthy number one, really, yeah, given it's. Uh, it, yeah, it definitely is. I'm not yeah. going to moan about that. Hilarious video as well. Yeah, it's good. Uh, so in the US, let's see how different it is over there. At number 10, we have Trippin', Total featuring Missy Elliott. Mm. I don't know that one. No, I don't know. I like Missy Elliott. Oh, yeah. Number nine was Do Wop That Thing by Lauren Hill. Oh, yeah. I remember it well. Eight was Save Tonight by Eagle Eye Cherry. Oh, yeah. Uh, Nana's um, brother, which makes a Don Cherry uh, free jazz trumpeter's son. And the uncle of current pop star Mabel. Well, you heard it here first, or you knew it anyway. (laughs) That is the knowledge you you get from every track, every album. Yeah, the author author. of the damned, every album, every song. He'll tell you all about it. Every relation. Every cherry one. Every relation, every name. Now I've got a R and B family trees with Morgan Brown. I've got some time for Nana Cherry. Eagle Eye, not so much. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Okay, uh, that's uh, number seven is Lullaby by Sean Mullins. Nope. Number six is Because of You, 98 Degrees. 98 Degrees. No. 
Uh, it doesn't say whether it's Celsius or Fahrenheit. <laughs> Number five is Lately by Divine. I assume not Divine. Not, <laughs> not from the John Waters films, no. no. <laughs> Number four is, oh, you might have heard of this one. Um, Baby One More Time by Britney Spears. Oh, mm. like we think. Yeah. Amazing song, you know. Yeah, it's, it's justly a, an absolute global smash. Yeah, it's a beast, isn't it? I mean, yes, retrospectively, the hitting aspect of it is difficult, but as a piece of pop of its time. Uh, number three, I'm Your Angel by R. Kelly and Celine Dion. Ooh. Oh. Yeah, we'll move on from that. Uh, number two, Nobody's Supposed to Be Here by Deborah Cox. Oh. Well, that's just a... Don't know what that is. Song or a statement. <laughs> True or false. <laughs> yeah. True or false, Deborah Cox. Uh, number one, Have You Ever by Brandy. I, I wonder if that's one that you'd know when you she heard need, it. Maybe she not. needs to be a bit more specific, doesn't she? Yeah. <laughs> so it's interesting again. Yeah, there's some huge hits there, but I wonder, how, yeah. It feels like it might be sort of 10% of the hits on either side of, of the Atlantic would translate... Yeah. To the other side and around the world, as it were. Yeah, I think we definitely have a lot of more sort of banging dance music, and the states definitely have more sort of R and B. Yeah. But the biggest hit singles of that year were "Baby One More Time," um, "Mambo Number Five, of course. Oh yeah, yeah. There you go. And um, "No Scrubs." Oh, amazing! I want it that way. <laughs> and as Steve-O hinted at, "Blue Dabba D." Oh, yeah. Which is oh, a, Eiffel, 60, Eiffel 65. Uh, oh, no, you were talking about Blue the Band, weren't you? Band, yeah. Yes, yeah. Um, I was thinking about Blue Dabba Beat. It's a song that makes me feel physically sick. It's, it's the, yeah, it's, it's creepy. It's, uh, weird, isn't it? It's even weirder when you see the video, which is really bad CGI. Yes, yeah. Uh, oh, God. I, I remember the first time I heard Blue Dabba Dee, I was on a holiday to Prague. I was on a boat in Prague going Ooh. down the Voltava and hearing this thing and just it knocking me sick. Yeah, it's, it's such a weird sound. There's something quite stomach churning about it, definitely, yeah. yeah. Okay, right. Anyway, that's music, and we'll come to our own musical picks <clears throat> from the uh, album-wise in, in a little bit. Uh, films, top 10 global highest-ranking films of 1999. Mm. Uh, any thoughts? Oh. Uh, well, there was a Bond film out. That's normally good for the top 10. Yeah, which one would it have been? Oh, they've all got stupid titles, haven't they, in this era? Tomorrow Never Dies, was it that one? Die, uh, die Another Tomorrow. No, no, die Tomorrow's another... the day for dying. For having to die. Uh, die Another Day. The World Is Not Enough. The World Is Not Enough, right. yeah. Which was became the eighth highest ranking it's film the of the year. one that Garbage did the theme song for, was it? I think. Oh, Joe, well, I only watched die. it a few weeks ago. Is so. that the one with Vincent Price? Not Vincent Price. Uh, <laughs> Jonathan Bond, Price. I've been expecting you, Mr. Bond. <laughs> that would have been great. Yeah. <laughs> I think that is the Jonathan Price one, yeah. isn't it? It's pretty ludicrous. Yeah, it's got a... Yeah, it is very... All right. Well, anyway, from 10 up to 1 for the top... Austin Powers, The Spy Who Shagged Me. Oh, yeah. The yep. sequel to Austin Powers, International Man of Mystery. Uh, American Beauty. Oh, yeah. Number eight is The World Is Not Enough. Number seven is Notting Hill. Oh, yeah. Number six, The Mummy. Oh, yeah. Which has since been remade to absolutely no success, I think. Mm. Tom Cruise, wasn't it, in a remake yeah. of it recently, when they were trying to launch a, a dark universe <sighs> of, like, universal monsters and just uh, bombed. Yeah. 
So I think the old original mummy is having a bit of a critical reappraisal and people are going, do you know what? Actually, it was quite good and a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, number five was Disney's Tarzan. Number four was The Matrix. Oh, yeah. Which was obviously a massive smash. I've seen that for such a long time. Yeah. No, you know, I've seen it once or twice, but I'm not massively keen on going back and watching no, it again. No, I, I wasn't as into it as everyone else seemed to be at the time. I, no. I that. Looked a bit needlessly... Cool. Confusing. And very confusing, yeah. Uh, Toy Story 2 was at number three. The Sixth Sense was above that. And at number one, Star Wars Episode 1, The Phantom Menace. Oh, All right. Oh, yeah. You, you kind of forget what years films like that were brought out. Mm. Yeah. Phantom Menace, still best um, experienced as, as a Weird Al song. Yes, indeed. yes, I, I agree completely. Yeah, yeah, a bit of a <clears throat> bit of a letdown, certainly. Yeah, there was a. I mean, there's quite a few good films out that year that obviously weren't going to be top ten mm. hits as well. Like things like Being John Malkovich. Yes. What time a cheerleader? Great film. <laughs> Galaxy Quest, which I only watched for the first time this year, I think. Um, K nine one one, the third K nine film with Jim Belushi. <laughs> It blew my mind to realise that there'd been more than one. Yeah, I had no idea. Incredible. Wild Wild West. That was meant to be the start of a massive franchise, wasn't it? A yeah. Steampunk Western franchise. Yeah. yeah with and Will Smith, like, what could possibly go wrong? Eyes Wide Shut as well, that year. Oh, yes. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Um, Magnolia was there. That was, yeah, that was that year as well, I believe. So in reviewing the films that came out, uh, I saw Office Space. Now, I'm oh. certain I've seen that, but I couldn't tell you much about it. But oh, I remember terrific. it being really good. It's really good, yeah. Yes, Mike Judge, yeah. Yeah, I like Office Space. Although, again, I couldn't tell you anything about it because I've not watched it in Donkey's Yeah, years, that's what I, I mean, remember, like a long time. And as soon as this... I only really remember the, the really smarmy boss character. Yeah. And also the guy who's with, actually been fired. With the just... jam jar glasses, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Those are my two main memories of it, yeah. but yeah, good stuff. Okay, so that was a bit of uh, the movies going on at the time. And I'm, again, we'll give you our movie picks in a minute. <laughs> TV, I've not got masses of TV things, but there's a couple of quite important ones on here for us, or for me, certainly. Uh, well, in fact, I know it's for us. So some debuts on UK TV in 1999. So there's shows like Holby City Start, which was a <laughs> spin-off from the long-running medical drama Casualty, which actually is going to end in 2022, apparently. Yeah, Holby I was going to say, it's oh been, uh, been camped, hasn't it? Yeah, and I've probably only watched about three episodes of that in my life. Generally quite boring. Yeah. They a few times that, I've seen it. It's supposed to be sort of like the equivalent of police procedural, but in hospitals, and it's come off the back of ER being a big success. Mm. And so they've spun off from Casualty, which had been running for years, and everything just has to go ludicrously big and weird and yeah. or really boring. Usually all at the same time. <laughs> Mainly, yeah. Uh, Walking with Dinosaurs was a huge hit. Oh, yeah. Because uh, that was like, oh, they're doing CGI on TV. You know, with, and it was... Was like, that Attenborough? I think he... Did he, he narrate he, it? I or? think he narrated it, yeah. yeah. That doesn't seem that long ago. Bloody hell. <laughs> <laughs> Late Night Poker. Oh, oh right. Yeah, I used to watch, used to watch yeah, that. Used to like yeah. that. Get back from the pub or and... Uh, Put the TV on one of the four channels you had available that you could tune in in your house, and they had tables yeah. with holes cut in and bits of perspex. Yeah, the, the camera under the table so you could see everyone's hand. Fantastic. Yeah. I've played poker with one of the guys off that devilfish who's from Blackpool or somewhere. Oh wow! <laughs> I didn't know that when I wrote that down here. Yeah. 
Uh, and a couple of uh, comedies we may have heard of. The League of Gentlemen. Yeah. 1999, crikey. But more importantly for me, a source of uh, a lot of enjoyment and good memories is Bang Bang, It's Reeves and Mortimer. Oh, right, Tremendous. Okay. Yeah. Which is one of my favourite series by Vic Reeves and, and Bob Mortimer. Six episodes of quite bizarre and bleak comedy. Yeah. Not very bizarre and occasionally quite bleak comedy. But also features a sort of mini documentary within it called The Club. So good. Which I remember watching with you, Steve-O, oh, and seeing Lord. you laughing at, at the characters yeah, in what, that is one of my favourite <laughs> memories yeah, of all time. It is, yeah. Incredibly funny. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, a cartoon called Angel Mouse. Oh, God, I'd forgotten which all about that. Which had an absolutely brilliant theme tune. But the concept of this cartoon, and the reason it's stuck in my mind, because... Obviously, we're way too old to be watching kids' TV stuff. Right. But this is like a like a, a junior's sort of tots cartoon type thing. But it's about a mouse who is an angel. And his, every episode, he has to do good deeds in order to keep his halo intact. Because if he does bad things, which he's always tempted to, his halo shrinks to it, almost vanishes. Uh, yeah. It is a terrifying concept yeah, for a cartoon. Mouse, mouse just frantically trying to avoid being... Damned for all eternity. Yeah. It was beautifully drawn and animated. Uh, this amazing theme Angel tune. Mouse. Yeah, like 60s yeah. theme tune. And it was voiced by David Jason, the voice of Danger Mouse. Yes. Very strange. <laughs> Very strange. So I had to mention that. Perhaps that's what he thought they said on the phone when they... <laughs> oh, David, David, we're doing Angel Mouse. Oh, the Danger, Danger Mouse. Mouse is coming back again. <laughs> be halfway through the script for episode five. Be like, well, where's Baron Green back? He's nowhere to be seen. <laughs> Must have defeated him at long last. Yeah. Oh, dear. Well, over in America, I've only got a little list. Uh, not Angel Mouse, but Angel, the Buffy oh, yeah. uh, follow-on. Which, you know, we were massive Buffy fans, yeah. weren't we, Morgan? And, but I never got into Angel. Uh, I think I've seen the first series. It was all right, but it's not It's not the same. Yeah. The Sopranos starts in 1999, oh. driving TV reviewers into a frenzy, believing that that's the start of good TV of all time. I've never seen The Sopranos. I'm sure it's absolutely astonishing, but I don't really like um, mafia stuff. Oh, it is very good, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty it's got a very peculiar blend of like horrificness and full-on comedy. Very curious yeah. blend. We have two cartoon debuts. Family Guy starts, which you know I found very funny for a little while, and then really wore off after it that. Got very repetitive it, into very it, quickly. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah, he what? Yeah, that first when you saw like the. That first series or two, it was like yeah. really good, and then like the third series, it kind of dawned like, on you that it was never going anywhere. It, it, it really, gets like a sketch show that just relies on the same catchphrases over and over again, doesn't it? Really, yeah. it's uh... that they then have the characters reveling in. Mm. But uh, Futurama starts in nineteen ninety nine as well, which I think does stand up better to you know will will te- stand the test of time a bit, a yeah, bit longer. Yeah, definitely. Family Guy's still going, it is, isn't it? Oh, I should imagine so. I think they're still churning it out, yeah. Yeah, I think they had some... Uh, as with The Simpsons, there was a lot of discussion about uh, white actors voicing black characters and so on. And I think that's changing, uh, like, Family Guy and the Cleveland show and all those spin-offs as well. But again, important memory-wise, 
particularly for me and you, Morgan, The Norm Show, oh, started amazing. in 1999. Now, Norm MacDonald is an interesting character. Mm. He can be very funny, he can be very strange and quite odd in his opinions and, and stuff. But The Norm Show, which is such a bizarre concept for a, a sitcom, <laughs> yeah. uh, disgraced ice hockey player. That's right, yeah. Does community service as a social worker. As you do, yeah. That's obviously what would happen. <laughs> in a hilarious setup with uh, Laurie Metcalf yep and we that was again I think late night on channel 4 or something yeah that's right it was just yeah just just really like it was bizarre wasn't it but it was it was very well written and acted and, and extremely funny I seem to recall yeah I would like to see like more to see of it, it again um, yeah and his uh, wiener dog <laughs> that he has in it but yeah I quite like the Norm show mm. I think is yeah <laughs> Although the baffling idea that you could be forced to do social work as like a community service when my parents or something, my mum and my stepdad uh, are both, you know, trained social workers who yeah. studied and done this job. It's like, and then there's a comedy based around the idea that you can just be forced to do it. Yeah. Yeah. With no experience or training whatsoever. <laughs> right. Anyway. So yes, it's clearly, you know, a time where some significant things popping up for us. Yeah. So it's time to get round to our choices, and I'm going to you first, Steve. All oh, right, what I'm cracky. I can't remember what a, music. Pick I can't on. remember what I chose for a film. I think I was slightly struggling for a film. Well, well, I found um, Election was out that year, which oh, is which is very good, good with Matthew Broderick and um, uh, yeah. So yeah, I think it might have been that. I don't think I saw anything else that tickled my fancy really. So which is a bit naff, really, but. Um, um, yeah, I think I think I will go with that. And for the album, what did I choose for the album? Oh, the Soft Bulletin by uh, uh, I've forgotten the name, The Flaming Lips. Mm-hmm. Oh, I would right. say, which is a very good, well tapestried album. I was slightly temp- tempted by Megadeth's Risk album <laughs> as well, which was a, a major departure in uh, um, and fairly <laughs> universally panned. But <laughs> I've always quite liked. They're like attempt at, I don't know, I don't know what you would call it really, like slightly AOR-y kind of <laughs> alternative. I mean, it is slightly peculiar, but um, maybe that should be my pick. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> we'll go with those two. So Election and that uh, Flaming Lips album. Ah, uh, yeah. On uh, an album I haven't heard and a film I've never seen. Well, there you go. Oh, oh the Soft Bulletin's most excellent, yeah. I shall have to remedy both of those things. Okay, Morgan, go for it. What have you got from 1999? Okay, well, film-wise, uh, you actually already mentioned it um, when we were discussing the, the, the overview, but I've got to go for uh, But I'm a Cheerleader. I wondered if you would. I wonder if you would. It's just magnificent. Um, yeah, Natasha Leon and Clea DeVal, um, RuPaul. Um, mm. Yeah, just it, it's hilarious and kind of... Works as good satire. It's got an absolutely tremendous um, soundtrack with indie pop and kind of pop punk stuff. Go Sailor and Dressy Bessie. Oh, I bought um, the new Dressy Bessie album oh, this tremendous. weekend, in fact. Excellent. Yeah, just just great sort of camp fun. It's, it's it, the way it's shot as well. I think it's fast. The color palette's brilliant. It's yeah, it's yeah. it's all very larger than life and tremendously enjoyable. No, I can uh, wholeheartedly give that two thumbs up. Cool. Um, and then um, music-wise, I was torn between a couple of things. I almost went for the debut album by La Tigra, which is, is, is absolutely tremendous. But I think I'm actually going to go 
for just because I've listened to it again recently and I, I just had forgotten how much I loved it. Um, the unauthorized autobiography of uh, the unauthorized biography of Reinhold Messner by the Ben Folds Five. That's an album that re- takes me straight back to our shared house, yeah. literally a few roads away from here. Indeed. And, and listening to it in your your room, in being introduced to Ben Folds Five via that album yeah. by you. Uh, their, their third album, I think, um, probably the least commercially successful, um, but a really good one. And, um, yeah. Getting a bit, a little bit darker, a little bit more sort of orchestrated, um, but still with the, this sort of blend of kind of contemporary sort of indie rock and like sort of 70s easy listening almost um, and kind of really like beautifully crafted witty songs. And some of the best bass guitar sounds on there Absolutely, as well. Absolutely, yeah, like the, yeah. The, the bit in Army where they do the, you know, it changes in the fuzz bass. Yeah, oh, brilliant. Huge. Excellent stuff. No, oh, yeah, good picks there. Yeah, cool. Excellent stuff. Right, okay. I've got two films I could pick from. You see, it came out in 1999. Certainly it was in America, although it had been out earlier in Japan. And I think it came out in the UK the following year. But Pokemon, the first movie, did come out in in 1999. Mm -hmm. And I do have a real soft spot for that because of the sort of the weirdness of approaching it as as an adult (laughs) and it being seen as phenomena. But I'm not going to pick that as my official one, but I am going to pick a Japanese animation and I'm going to pick Studio Ghibli's Princess Mononoke. Oh, tremendous. Which I think got into the Western uh, cinemas in 1999. I certainly didn't see it at the time. I've seen it quite a few times since. It is stunning, stunning work. Absolutely amazing animation, storytelling, and just that perfect weirdness that comes with like, the Studio Ghibli films, which sometimes is nice and domestic, but other times is more sort of epic and mm. uh, historical. It's just brilliant. Absolutely love it. And for my music choice, I do I attempt to read the whole title of this album? <laughs> the title of the album I have chosen is When the Pawn Hits the Conflicts He Thinks Like a King What He Knows Throws the Blows When He Goes to the Fight And He'll Win the Whole Thing For He Enters the Ring There's No Body to Batter When Your Mind Is Your Might So When You Go Solo You Hold Your Own Hand And Remember That Depth Is The Greatest Of Heights And If You Know Where You Stand Then You Know Where To Land And If You Fall It Won't Matter Because You'll Know That You're Right uh, Fiona Apple That's the one <laughs> Better known as When the Pawn P-A-W-N, that is, by the way, uh, listeners, which was a record very... I very rarely ever come to a record because I've heard it on a radio, but I did hear the single from this on radio and it struck me, or one of the singles from this on the radio, and it struck me and I came to it via that and then eventually discovered this album, which is such a brilliant blend of piano-led songwriting, but with production by John Bryan which is very 60s-ish, which really appealed to me. So lots of Mellotron sounds and and just really good. And I've just loved Fiona Apple ever since, really. And yeah, it holds the record for the longest album title ever, I think, still. Because it's just a poem she wrote, which is... Everyone should name their albums after poems they write when they're just annoyed by some critics, I think, is where it came from anyway. So there's a selection for you all to to dig into of what was... uh, what tickled our fancies from 1999 anyway it'd be interesting to see what the new millennium brings when we do our next episode all future music uh, yeah that's it like music 2000 from, <laughs> from look around you I'm rapping i'm rapping 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 
and rapping so all day and rapping, rapping all night. Yes, some people get that reference and many people won't. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Well, there we go. That's our bonus episode. See you soon for book 50, which is The Last Dance. I'm going to say au revoir, au revoir. And Steve-O's going to say... Goodbye. And Morgan's going to say... Fairly well. Tra. 